Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXPG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, the Madman, and welcome back. I hope you had a pleasant, pleasant Memorial Day weekend. Talk about more of that later, more on that later. But I uh, just want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. It would, I would appreciate it. Three bucks a month. The lowest, uh, lowest donation you can give. I would appreciate it very much. Or you can send me money through Cash App. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio, all one word. You can see it on the screen here above the monkey head. So I would appreciate that. And those of you whining about the podcast getting out there on a more timely manner, manner you know, hold your horses. All right. We stream live to YouTube every single Tuesday. All right, you're getting a free podcast, all right? Hold your horses. But otherwise, go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Also, FXBG Public Radio is always looking for more cre- uh, creators to come and, you know, use our studio time to, uh, you know, do what you want to do. It could be anything you want. Uh, I just happen to be, only be good at podcasting. If I was good at, if I were a musician, I could also get help through, uh, through EK and the services here at FXBG Public Radio. Help me, help me lay down a track. If I could sing or something, or if you could sing, you could inquire into FXBG Public Radio. We could probably even do some remote work, you know, sending files to people and so forth and, or, or whatever. Because I think of $15, $15 an hour is the minimum, uh, the, uh, the bottom tier for our efforts and work. I mean, it depends on how many cameras and microphones you want and so forth. It's, it's all very, very complicated. Well, not really. <laughs> But, you know, inquire, you can always send an email to admin at fxbgpr.com or myself, madman at fxbgpr.com. If you're interested in getting involved in FXBG Public Radio and becoming a creator of your own right, you could have a musical show, you could do a podcast show, you could sit there and have like, uh, you know, sit there and talk about, um, uh, let's say, let's talk about ghost stories in Portuguese, like only Portuguese ghost stories. So I think it's like Brazil and Portugal. Anyway, so you know who Edna Mode is, right? She's a lady from the Incredibles movies who is a tailor for superheroes. And if you love comics and superheroes, you probably love Edna because what a great job to have. I mean, obviously, you'd have to be a genius like Edna to do what she does. But let's be honest. There would be plenty of lesser skilled jobs in a world where superheroes exist. Like perhaps there's an anonymous laundry service where you can anonymously drop off your super suit and take a number through the service and a series of compartmentalized personnel at the dry cleaners, and no one can associate the clothing to the person that is picking it up, thus protecting secret identities. Or maybe there's a guy who specializes in speedsters. He patented some friction-resistant fabric, and speedsters from all over the world come to get their custom flame-proof costumes. It doesn't matter where he'd set up shop because no speedster is ever far from him. But if it were me... I would set up in Keystone City, where the Flash Museum is located. And I wonder if butlers would have two different resumes, one for their normal butling achievements and another for their superhero's charges job requirements. You you know, you could hand your resume to Batman. He looks it over and says, So you did four years with Blue Beetle. Have we met before? No, Master Batman. I was doing my two weeks with the National Guard when the JLA stopped by Master Beetles during that Gorilla Grodd fracas. Fracas. All right, last April. Aquaman kept commenting on how filthy Blue Beetle's lair was. 
And when it comes to the henchmen for villains, the turnover rate must be ridiculous. And the Venture Brothers goes into this quite a bit. So, if you know, watch that show. It would be odd on a henchman resume to have worked for Lex Luthor for like over six months, for example. And what about super vehicle dealerships? Do you think Batman reclaims or destroys every Batmobile that was ever made? Or do you think that there are old, rusting Batmobiles in junkyards all over Gotham? Hello, I'm Frank Slick, owner and proprietor of Coast City Supercar Emporium. What kind of car can I put you in today? Shoo-wee, I sure am sorry to tell you, sir, but we are fresh out of vehicles with surface-to-air missiles. If threats from above are your concern, I have obtained a couple of Star Labs and Cord Industries hover cycles. The Star Labs ones have modular weapon mount points where you can mount just about any weapon. No, not interested? Apocalypse vehicles? Well, (laughs) we need to run a credit check just to show you vehicles from Apocalypse because I never heard of Ambush Bug before. And last but not least, what about all the gadgets and gizmos? Hey, I'm Crazy Eddie. Come on down to Metropolis Super Golden Pond and get everything you need to start your career as a superhero. We have the usual wide variety of knives, swords, and vibro clubs, but we also have force blasters, net launchers, magnetic tracking devices that stick to anything. We got superheated phosphates and depleted uranium. We have all Star Labs compatible energy clip chargers of all types. We have Kevlar by the yard and bulletproof, bulletproof glass by the foot. We got nth metal by the ounce and kryptonite by the gram. So get on down here to Crazy Eddie's Metropolis Golden Pond so we have so much stuff, it's crazy. All sales are final. Crazy Eddie's Metropolis Golden Pond assumes no liability for its products and is legally licensed and insured by the Metropolis Better Business Bureau. Say hablo espanol y interlac. That's what happens when I get trapped in my mind. I write stuff like that. Did I a little bit, a little bit of a block. <laughs> anyway, so I want to talk about this uh, story about this little town in America called Centralia, Pennsylvania. And I don't know if you ever heard of this, but I'm just going to read you a couple paragraphs uh, from the Wikipedia article on this town. Centralia is a borough and near ghost town in Columbia County, Pennsylvania in the United States. Its population has dwindled from more than 1,000 residents in 1980 to 63 by 1990 to only five in 2017. As a result of the coal mine fire, which has been burning beneath the borough since 1962, Centralia, which is part of the Bloomsburg-Berwick metropolitan area, is the least populated municipality in Pennsylvania. It is completely surrounded by the uh, Coningham Township. I hope I said that right. All of the real estate in the borough has been claimed under eminent domain in 1992 and condemned by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and Centralia's zip code has been discontinued by the Postal Service since 2002. State and local officials reached an agreement with the seven remaining uh, residents on October 29, 2013, allowing them to live out their lives there, after which the rights to their houses will be taken through eminent domain. There are still seven people living there. And they're going to die there. And they're gonna, and the government's gonna get their property anyway. All right, I'm gonna skip the um, the thing about the uh, you know, like you know when it was founded and discovered. That's boring in comparison to what happened later. All right, because the the issue is the the coal fire that's been burning underneath the town for uh for uh since 1962. <laughs> uh, 
So analysis disagree about the specific cause of the Centralia fire. Uh, David Kakak, author of Fire Underground, the ongoing tragedy of the Centralia mine fire, concluded that it started with an attempt to clean up the town landfill. In May 1962, the Centralia Borough Council hired five members of the volunteer fire company to clean up the town la- landfill located in an abandoned strip mine pit next to the Oddfellow Cemetery just uh, outside the borough limits. This had been done prior to Memorial Day in previous years when the landfill was in a different location. On May 27, 1962, the firefighters, as they had in the past, set the dump on fire and let it burn for some time. Unlike in previous years, however, the fire was not fully extinguished. An unsealed opening in the pit allowed the fire to enter the labyrinth of abandoned coal mines beneath Centralia. Now, it does say that there's a page citation needed to the, to the reference here. It's always important to look this stuff up. And this is all from the David DeCock book, Unseen Danger, uh, Fire Underground, The Ongoing Tragedy of the Centralia Mine Fire. So, here's the thing. You might, you've seen that movie, Roxanne? With this, where Steve Martin has the long nose and he works at the fire department. He comes in, there's a trash fire, and then it comes in there. I have a dream. It's it's not a it's not a small it's not a big dream. It's a small dream. It's that the people of this town, if for God forbid there was some sort of fire in this town, they would say something other than, for whatever you do, do not call the fire department. <laughs> and, and this is the situation: is they sent firefighters to go deal with this um, uh, landfill issue. All right. Unfortunately, this is a very common tactic, doing controlled burns, especially when fighting fires and dealing with trash. All right? So uh, I can't say it's out of place for a municipality to have something like this done. But you should have been cognizant of the coal mines in the area, especially, you know, when you (laughs) ignited an entire coal mine underneath a town. All right? And so the only thing that comes to mind when I uh, heard about the story and did some research into it, was what if that dude from a, a Pineapple Express, Saul, actually became a civic planner? Perhaps something like this could happen. Or maybe that kid mayor, Ben Wyatt, maybe, maybe that sounds like something that would happen on his, under his watch. Don't you think? And my point is, is that, you know, um, we're, we're all incredible fuck-ups. All of us. We all screw up all the time. A lot of times it doesn't end up this badly because, you know, we can, you know, we can apply some order to the chaos that we create in our lives. And so, um, and we can fix certain problems, but sometimes things just get so out of control and the whole coal mine beneath your feet is burning and whoops, I guess you got to wait for it to go out. Cause how do you fight a fire that big underground with people living above it? <laughs> <laughs> like a couple of hot dogs on a Memorial Day grill. Anyway, I heard about that story, and I looked into it, and I was like, this is just a, 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 a poster child for <laughs> failure. <laughs> you screwed up so bad, you can't fix it. So I hope you had a pleasant Memorial Day weekend here. In, uh, but here in Fredericksburg, it was um, cold and moist on Saturday and Sunday, but yesterday was pretty nice. And uh, just like I did, I hope you had a good, uh, you had good food and spent time with your friends and family, making great memories in a relatively peaceful America, paid for in the blood of American soldiers, sailors, Marine, and airmen. Marines and airmen. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to bum anyone out, but throughout American history, average Americans have laid down their lives for your safety 
for your safe and peaceful Memorial Day weekend. No, I'm not saying I'm ex-Navy honor me. That's ridiculous. And most people who served in the military and lived under, uh, served in the military understand that the honor of Memorial Day is reserved for those who gave our lives for our security. You see, when you join the military, you have to come to terms with the fact that you may meet your fate while serving. And unlike the movies, it's rarely a heroic story where you and the enemy have an intense firefight, then you run out of ammo, and the next thing you know, you're in a heroic hand-to-hand struggle. When it comes to modern weapons, you're talking about flying metal everywhere. Random explosions, ricochets, it's pure chaos, warfare is. Absolute randomness. And many of these guys that come home from war have what is called survivor's guilt. They can't understand why they survived and others did not. And then they suffer depression and other ailments because of it. But the reason that they go through all that is because the human brain cannot wrap itself around the random chaos of war. Human brains are designed to find patterns, and when there is no pattern, it is like a divide-by-zero error, and nothing makes sense. It's easy for you and I to sit here in our comfortable settings and pretend we understand it. But having spoken to guys who have come back, they survive those awful situations and see no rhyme or reason to it, to the whole universe. And they come home with the idea that, that order and security are illusions and chaos rules the universe. And in some ways they are right. The universe tends towards chaos and entropy is the natural state of things. But big words like that provide no comfort to someone who went through something like that. However, humans generally try to apply order to the world. We, as a species, try to put a harness on the wild bucking steer that is the universe. And war is as chaotic as humanity gets. So generally, I think we are doing okay. All because American women, men and women, volunteered to wade into the chaotic muck and try to push the chaos away from us. God bless the U.S. military, and God bless and protect those who gave the last full measure for our desire to have burgers and swimming pools on Memorial Day weekend. Oh, wet my whistle there. Cruising right through, cruising right through. Now let's get to the rough stuff here. I, I, did, a, I did a warning at the beginning, just so you know. <laughs> the world is not a safe place. And you know what really bugs me the most about this whole mass thing over the past year or so is the people living in fear. I've said it before that it seemed like all the hypochondriacs had taken over the world for a while there, and it irritated me to no end. I thought the movie Bubble Boy cleared up that issue for society nicely. Yes, it's a dangerous world out there filled with things that can kill you or worse. But kissing your crush for just a single moment is better than living your entire life encapsulated by your own fear and precaution. After 9-11, Americans didn't want to stop having baseball games or football games because the, then, the, quote, the terrorists would win. And the whole idea of safe spaces and masks man, mask mandates and all these new rules we have to follow is just playing into that fear-mongering mentality. It's like all these kids riding bike very, bikes very slowly with more armor on them than soldiers in the rack at the very beginning. When was the last time you saw a kid with no helmet or pads trucking full speed down a hill or on, on a bike or a skateboard? The guys who could do the best tricks on bikes and skateboards when I was a kid had at least half a dozen scabs on them at any given time. 
which means that they paid with blood and pain in order to learn those tricks. And that's how you get good at something. If there is no, no risk, there's no reward either. Each of us is like a sword, and the world is our whetstone. It's, and how sharp or dull you are is probably a result of how, how much of the rough edges you ground off of your being. The world is dangerous, but it's always been that way, but it's also safer than it's always ever been. Barring riots and hate crimes in the lawless cities, the world is at least twice as safe now as it was when I was a kid. I fell out of trees, skidded flesh against pavement, and got into fights. When was the last time you saw kids fighting? When I was a kid, you had to be tough enough to speak your mind. Also, you had to accept the fact that you would come across ideas, words, and actions that you find offensive all the time in America. To this day, I am offended that people are killing babies in the womb, but I don't feel a need to create a safe space or a blog dedicated to how evil I think abortion is. That's because I am an American who lives in America. There are tons of things that offend me all the time, but I am not a person who is so impotent that my only recourse is a scathing Yelp review. And that's all this cancel culture is. A few bad reviews from triggered and timid sissies that think the whole world needs to conform to their delicate sensibilities. When George Carlin was arrested in 1972 for violating obscenity laws, I promise you it was some state senator's wife or other Karen-type wife of someone in power mostly pissed off that George Carlin used the C word. You know, see you next Tuesday. And most cunts can't handle hearing that word and make a hell of a fuss when they do hear it. But when you try to bend society to these people's expectations of human behavior, you're altering what is good for the majority on the whims of the very noisy minority. As an adult in the United States, you need to come to terms with the fact that you may meet people that you don't like or don't like you. Grow up. You need to learn that the world wasn't put here to please you. Grow up. You need to understand that not everyone cares what you think or even feel because it's a dog-eat-dog dangerous world. Time to grow up. We're Americans. We are standing upon the shoulders of big thinkers, pioneers, and trailblazers. Go east, young man. Go east if you have to. Because the world is a dangerous place and always has been. And if you hide inside and never face what is difficult to face in life, you'll never have the Constitution to fight against the tyranny that rears its head every now and then. I was bullied when I was a kid. And I know you're thinking, good. But, I never, but it never put a bad taste in my mouth about the world or my value. All it did was make me hate bullies and want to stand up to them whenever and wherever I encounter them now that I am fully grown and have no excuse not to. And the bullies I've faced since I've been in the military, uh, since I've been in the military, uh, are useless members, are military officers and useless members of management who have no real job description. The bullies have been terrorists and people who would rather live their life in terror and terror than face it. And now it's people trying to tell me I have to wear a mask everywhere I go or I can't say words like retarded or cunt or tar baby. And if you think you have some righteous purpose to stopping me from using those words, you are the bully, not me. I use these words to provoke the bully in you. You think because of my gender or skin color or whatever, I'm not allowed to use these wrongs, these words, but you're wrong. Fascist, you are the bully. Time to grow up. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. Get a little water here. 
All right, rant time's over. Uh, you know, there might be some. I'm reading news stories. I might might rant any second. <laughs> but here's a uh, top news story in the news worth knowing. Former BLM leader sounds off on the group's, quote, ugly, ugly truth. The founder of BLM in St. Paul, Minnesota, recently re- released a video in which he calls called out the group's ugly truth, by which he meant uh, by which he meant their positions on family and education. Quote, in 2015, I was the founder of Black Lives, Black Lives Matter in St. Paul, said Rashid, Rashad, Rashid Turner, forgive me, who now leads a pro-school choice uh, group at Minnesota Parent Union. Uh, quote, I believe the organization stood for exactly what the name implies. Black lives do matter. However, after a year on the inside, I learned they had little concern for rebuilding black families, he added. Turner's video, published to YouTube last week, highlighted how the group's website stated that it wanted to disrupt the nuclear family structure. Uh, and they cared even less, Turner added, by, uh, about improving the quality of education for students in Minneapolis. Uh, that was made clear to me when they publicly denounced, when they publicly denounced charter schools along with the teachers union, alongside the teachers' union. I was an insider in Black Lives Matter, and I learned the ugly truth. The moratorium on charter schools does not support building the black, rebuilding the black family, it, but it does create barriers to a better edu- education for black children. BLM did not respond to Fox News, obviously. Uh, Turner's comments touched on an ongoing criticism of BLM, uh, namely that its goals and political positions are far more, left, uh, mar- far more left-wing than they might suggest. suggest. The group has, been, has acquired highly heightened popularity in the wake of the prominent police encounters that sparked ongoing protests in recent years. Politicians and other leading figures have adapted the slogan as well. Recent events, however, have intensified scrutiny under its leaders and ideas. Co-founder Patrice Cullors came under fire after it was revealed that she bought four homes for more than $3 million. The the self-described Marxist (laughs) uh, was also seen in a resurfaced video favorably favorably comparing the book uh, to Little Red Book propagated under Chinese dictator Mao Zedong. Jeez Louise. The BLM curriculum also uh, engendered controversy over ideas that the organization was promoting in schools. Colors is stepping down from his, her role as executive director of the activist group's central foundation amid questions about her finances. She told the Associated Press on Tuesday, Thursday, excuse me, that she was leaving the position to focus on other projects, including the release of her second book and television deal with Warner Brothers. She held the uh, top post of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation for more than five years. The activist said that she created the necessary bones of the foundation at the organization, and she felt the time was right to leave. <laughs> she asserted that her e- exit was planned for more than a year. She had unrelated scrutiny uh, regarding her personal finances. Those were right-wing attacks uh, tried to discredit my character, and I don't operate of what the right thinks of me, Color said. Well, you shouldn't operate of what anyone thinks of you, but okay. But, you know, you're keeping the houses, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I... I um. And I, I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, um, this is why I get excited about the internet is, is because I think it's the greatest thing in the world for, uh, the freedom of speech. And so the, some, if somebody is out there and they're, they started the Black Lives Matter movement and, uh, they didn't see where the, like the global, uh, ambitions of the, of the, of, of the organization were going, you know, because that happened at a level above him. You know, if he's, um, he was in charge of Black Lives Matter in St. Paul. You know, the national level where the colors lady she, who bought all the houses that was happening at a national level. So his organization was sending money to them. And of course, you know, probably he's like, hey, that's not what that money was. I thought that money was going to go for, you know. 
And so um, these people, it's like, it's great because this is basically a whistleblower. This is somebody coming out of Black Lives Matter and saying, hey, you know, uh, it, it's very clear to me that his, his goal is to restore black families. And I think that that's great. And it's absolutely, it's based upon, you know, now what he's doing now in the Minnesota, Minnesota Parent Union. Um, that just shows that he's trying to rebuild the uh, black families in America who have been broken apart and, you know, have this highest single, you know, real high single motherhood and stuff like that. And that's, you know, it's not good. You need to have a mother and a father in a home, you know, else you're going to raise some transgender person. So, I mean, it's, it's good that, you know, it's like, like YouTube wouldn't dare, like, take down his video. They wouldn't dare. And it's a shame because, you know, he's probably, he's only saying stuff that a lot of other people that don't look like this guy have been saying for a long time and that YouTube has, you know, been messing with for a long time. But they wouldn't dare with him because they're the racist ones. <laughs> and you know what? Truth always trumps race. So I think that, you know, uh, I, I'm very glad that, you know, people are speaking out about BLM and, you know, people are examining, you know, the ideas of the, of the, uh, the national franchise that is now BLM. You know, let's be honest. BLM grew at a grassroots level. When people say grassroots, that is exactly what BLM began as. And unfortunately, as any organization or any system, this is a simple, <laughs> like laws of thermodynamics, as any system grows bigger and bigger, the entropy grows bigger as well, which means that means corruption and so forth. And so and I think that in many ways, you know, the Democrats, they hijacked the BLM movement and uh, Antifa glommed onto it. And now I think even criminals are glomming onto the BLM movement and just, just to, as cover, as cover. And it's a shame. It's a shame that this organization got corrupted. But then again, you know, most organizations do. <laughs> so it's, it's a shame. But I'm glad people are speaking out on it. People are, you know, com finally coming to terms with it and so forth. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, New York Times writer scolds American Americans over social gatherings in Memorial Day column, but celebrated BLM protests. New York Times writer Margaret, Margaret Rankle scolded Americans in a Memorial Day weekend column who uh, refused to give, give up social gatherings to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, but alternatively celebrated gatherings of the Black Lives Matter protesters in various columns she wrote last year. The liberal writer seemingly ignorant, ignored her past writings, lauding the number of people attending Black Lives Matter protests amid early months of the pandemic. She blasted those Americans she sarcastically referred to as patriots, blaming them for a lack of another kind of Memorial Day in which lives saved from the coronavirus by Americans joining together in a commitment to a national service may have otherwise been known. Quote, we have lately been reminded of the absolute necessity for Americans to be motivated by warm fellow by a warm fellow feeling across divides of uh, re region, race, class, politics, religion, age, gender, or other ability. To cultivate a sense of common purpose, to make sacrifices for the sake of others, Rankle wrote. And that reminder came in the form of watching what happens when such qualities are absent, even in anathema, uh, in, the whole, in whole regions of the country. Uh, she goes on to say, lied to by the President of the United States and egged on by craven commentators, many Americans staunchly refused to give up social gatherings, no matter that staying home was the best way to keep the virus from spreading, she continued. They refused to wear masks, and they mocked and harassed people who did. Some are, even now, rejecting a vaccine that could keep the virus from mutating into so many variants that there would be no hope of containing it. And they would have done it all, they insist, because they are patriots. 
Rankle stated the pandemic was the country's last chance to come together across divisions and that although many uh, complied with the measures intended to keep people safe, quote, too many people of us, too many of us did not. But as for those, quote, patriots, we might, this is in a quote, quote, in a quote, but as for those patriots, we might be able to imagine the proclamation of another kind of Memorial Day, one that commemorates not self-sacrifice in war, but the lives we save by joining together to serve the same cause, she wrote. If Vietnam exploded, the un- unquestioned commitment of to national service, the coronavirus pandemic should have been the very thing to get it back, Wrinkle added. What? what? Those two things have nothing. Anyway. Uh, she went on to say that it did exactly the opposite, tells us something about who we are as human beings and who we are as a nation. There is more to, more to mourn today than I ever understood before. Rankle's heavy criticism was a seemingly drastic shift from her views on large gatherings last summer amid the Black Lives Matter protests following the death of George Floyd in a column published on June, 20, uh, June 15th. Rankle lauded the number of people attending the protest and organized by six teenagers in, Na- in Nashville, Tennessee. Like I said, grassroots. In less than a week, six Nashville teenagers created a march that drew 10,000 peaceful protesters and gave hope to the whole city, she wrote. The protesters, mostly in their teens and 20s, chanted Black Lives Matter and No Justice, No Peace, and not one more as they marched uh, for more than five hours. There was not one hint of disarray in their ranks, no angry confrontations with National Guardsmen or police officers clad in riot riot gear, she continued. In another column a week earlier, Rankle called on white Christians to join the righteous cause of the protesters while lamenting the former sins in her treatment of minorities. Rankle's apparent double standard towards social gatherings of different groups reflected the approach for which the mainstream media was ripped last summer as coverage for the coronavirus was slammed as being politicized after its focus shifted from the positive coverage and massive protests with no social distancing. So this, apparently she's been writing these stories for so long. This is the only, the only story she knows how to write anymore. You know, and so I, it just it bothers me. It's like, it's like, don't you understand? It's like most... In people who are in trouble are vaccinated now, like in, in the 90s percentile. All right. It seems to me if you're writing a column on Memorial Day, it it, it kind of reminds me of those message the message boards days when you'd go to a message board and you or and, you know like after a long break or something like that you come back it's like January 2nd you check the message board and there's one guy he posted on like December 25th you know. And every single day thereafter, you know, he's pasting these long, depressing posts on the message board. <laughs> and you're like, it's like, dude, that guy has nothing better to do. He is like, he's seriously like alone. And obviously dealing with a depression because he's writing these long, depressing posts. Oh, wait, that was me writing those posts. Anyway, that being said, it's like, you, it, clearly you have nowhere else to be. You have nothing more important to do. And you're pissed off that people are having a better time than you. You know, it's summer. All right. This thing is over. Let it go. I mean, all these people, they're just so they're grasping at straws that and they never and they because it's it's about power and control, power and control. Just trying to tell you what to do and the jollies that it gives them for succeeding in that. Anyway, we can go on to this next story. Oh, wow. It might be a short show today. So, let's talk about what's going on in Portland. Uh, Coverage of Portland violence blasted after media dismissed unrest. Same phenomenon as the lab leak theory. That's a quote. 
Uh, media outlets who were previously reported violent crimes and unrest in Portland, Oregon, were exaggerated and facing criticism after a new report on how the city's minority communities are reeling from crime. Quote, anarchists are, and an increase in violent crime hijacked Portland's social justice movement, a Washington Post headline, headline read on Monday. Quote, after months of social justice activism that made Portland a vivid, sometimes violent focal point for a nation debating the same issues around police accountability and reform, the movement here has splintered into bickering groups at odds over tactics, goals, and an overall direction on how to make the city safer with the police force still at the debate's bitter center, reporter Scott Wilson wrote. wrote. At least 30 homicides have been committed by May, by May and at the end of the and by the end of last year, by the end of the year, at least 30 homicides had been committed by May and by the end of the year. The Post reported, Portland, quote, could see more slayings than in the past four decades. New York Magazine writer Jonathan Chait encouraged his followers to read the very upsetting report about the crime wave's disproportionate impact on the city's black community. The piece also delved into the effects of anarchists and the anti-police reform efforts in the liberal city. Excuse me. But those who have followed the media coverage of Portland over the, last, over the past year shared tweets from reporters last year that suggested the city was largely peaceful. Pundits ca- uh, carried that narrative despite over 100 consecutive days of riots in the city last year following high-profile police-involved deaths, including the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Those riots devastated the city's reputation to lead a sharp decrease in morale among its police officers. Uh, quote, good morning from the wonderful Portland, where the city is not under siege and buildings are not burning to the ground, tweeted CNN's Josh Campbell at the time, who cheekily added he was, uh, he was able to enjoy his breakfast burritos outside without being accosted. CNN's Daniel Dale reported much of the same, questioning whether former res- uh, President Donald Trump's claim that the entire city was on fire. Quote, saying the entire city was ablaze is ridiculous, he had said. Help me find Trump's anarchists in Portland, asked the New York Times' Nicholas Kristof in July of 2020. Uh, why, we believe, why we believe anarchist violence in Portland now, in Portland now, that serious voices are talking about it, media podcast host Stephen Miller suggested an alternate headline for the Washington Post. Some of the same observers compared the media's changing tone on Portland to the, above, uh, to the about face over the Wuhan lab leak theory which some outlets admit is now suddenly credible, despite uh, previously dismissing it as fringe and canceling people off of social media for saying it. ABC's Jonathan Carl said journalists have egg on their face (laughs) for rejecting the lab leak theory in part because it's initially promoted by Trump and conservative lawmakers like Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas. New York Times writer David Leonhart also scolded the media for refusing to look seriously at the lab leak notion just because Cotton was talking about it, calling it a mistake. Quote, my favorite stories I write are the ones uh, that meander into the mainstream media a year later, mused Daily Wire reporter Emily Zanotti about the media's 180 on Portland. Daily Wire is getting up there. It's a news source. People are quoting it. Not just just Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, and uh, Michael Knowles. So I guess they got some respect. They got cred. They got cred in the community. Yeah, um, Portland had that whole Chaz thing, and that kind of became an epicenter uh, for all the craziness. Um, and you know, and because the the local government was so 
pussyfooted about it, you know, uh, in, in all these liberal cities like that, you know, have like tilt, like uh, handcuffed the police in many ways, not not letting them do their jobs, you know, <laughs> arrest these people, throw them in jail, you know, they'll learn. And so, you know, in you know they they've been lying to us for a year, and it's like and if you if you have any sense at all, you can see that it's the same. That's why they did the comparison with the lab leak theory. You know, stuff that the Republicans were saying years ago are now becoming are now coming up in mainstream news sources. That means it, it, the liberals are uh, <laughs> a year behind. Maybe you should start listening to conservatives for a while. Anyway, I got three short stories here. We'll close the show out in maybe end a little bit early. But it's pretty crazy. They're they're pretty awesome. Last three news stories. All right. So a woman pushes a brown bear as it climbs over the fence to save her dogs. The photo, the video went viral on social media and has been viewed over forty million times over this past weekend. Go find this video. Woman pushes bear or something like that. Search for that. People do amazing things when their dogs are in trouble. Over Memorial Day weekend, footage appeared on social media that shows a brown bear climbing over a fence into a house's garden while several pet dogs bark at it. Fortunately, a quick-thinking woman with balls of steel ran up to the large bear and pushed it off the fence, giving the dogs time to get away safely. Because, you know, the dogs aren't going to leave. A TikTok user named Brenda, who posts under the username Baked Like Pie. <laughs> I get it. Posted the video. Since it appeared on the social media network over the holiday weekend, it has been viewed over 39.4 million times. According to the post, the footage was filmed by home security cameras at the California home of Brenda's cousin, Haley. In the video, a brown bear can be seen climbing over a fence into the house's garden. Several uh, cubs also appear with the larger animal, suggesting it's a mother bear. Multiple dogs appear and start barking at the bear. One of the larger dogs runs up to the bear and is struck in the face several times by the larger animal. According to a comment by Brenda, the dog was fine, and though it did suffer some scratches. Then Haley comes running into the frame and pushes the bear off the fence. <laughs> uh, check. <laughs> While the bear quickly climbed back onto the fence that, that gave her enough time to gather the dogs and get out of the area. In a later video, Haley explains that she lives in the mountains, and since it is summer, bears aren't an uncommon sight. According to Haley, she suffered a sprained finger from the encounter. If that's all, you are super lucky. Go find this video because I am shocked. If I had saw that, I would probably would have. You know, they say like uh, fight, flight, and freeze. Those are the three options when you're scared. That's something to make me freeze because I would sit there thinking, "Is that? Am I really looking at a bear? Is that really a bear? The dogs are. Maybe it's just dogs are barking at it, so it's probably just another dog, right?" Until, you know, Fifi gets chomped on. Oh, I guess it is a bear. <clears throat> All right, two more stories. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from New York recycled a joke that fell flat while speaking at a celebration of the Save Our Stages Act at Caroline's on Broadway Comedy Club in New York City over the long weekend. Schumer recycled a joke about a woman in trouble for stealing a can of peaches who gets one night in jail for each of the four peaches in the can. The New York Daily News reported, the punchline, the woman's husband wants the stolen can of peas added to her sentence. What do you think, Schumer asked as the audience let out a few laughs. The polite people laughed. The New York Daily News reported. 
He reportedly told the same joke at a 2020 event with Jerry Seinfeld at the Gotham Comedy Club. You told that joke in front of Jerry Seinfeld? It's one thing in the news. You know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> Quote, it's no secret Chuck is not quitting his day job, a spokesman for Schubert told the paper. Uh, that's good. That's good. He shouldn't, you know, he's stay out of comedy, but you should also stay out of politics. Uh, despite the recycled joke, Caroline's on Broadway uh, expressed thanks to Schumer. Uh, thank you at Senator Schumer for supporting NYC's arts and entertainment industry with the passage of Save Our Stages, hashtag Save Our Stages, and joining us today for the ribbon-cutting ceremony to reopen the club, Caroline's on Broadway posted on Twitter Monday. The, Stay, the Save Our Stages Act allocated $15 billion for independent venues, including live music stages, movie theaters, and museums shuttered by the pandemic in the December 2020 coronavirus relief package. Uh, quote, independent venues were some of the first establishments to close down and will likely be some of the last to open. I refuse to sit by and let the music die, which is why I was proud to introduce the Bipartisan Save Our Stages Act. Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, the co-sponsor of the bill, said in a statement. This funding will get uh, small entertainment venues the, the help they need to make ends meet and serve the communities for generations to come. Meanwhile, New York is on its way back to normal. A midnight curfew for the New York bars and restaurants officially ended Monday. Another major milestone in the state that gradually reopens from a coronavirus pandemic-induced shutdown. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced in April that the long-standing restriction on indoor dining would officially end on May 31st. Establishments can now return to the closing times that their liquor licenses and other regulations allowed. So the good news is, is that you know New York is starting to open up again. And I, that's the beginning of, of getting better for New York. <coughs> Because I'm sorry, uh, New York is an iconic city. You know, it should be the, uh, you know, the best that America has to offer. But you know, we all know how things went down over this past year, and you know, all this, all this money. You know, who could blame these small businesses for taking money from the government? I mean, if the money's going to give government, uh, you know, taxpayer dollars away to you, you might as well take it. All right, on our behalf. But it just it. It just irritates me that, you know, it, it's so obvious that a Democrat like Schumer would have, would have absolutely no sense of humor. <laughs> I am not surprised. I'm not surprised. That's all I want to say about that. Let's go on this last story for a really good laugh before we get out of here. Drunk Milwaukee teen breaks into a cop-filled Airbnb rental. A drunken 19-year-old woke up in handcuffs after he broke into a Milwaukee AB&B rented out by Montana sheriff's deputies who were in town for a special law enforcement training. <laughs> the deputies were sleeping at the time, uh, and the teen made his way into the home. When they woke up, they spotted the back door open and the intruder sound asleep upstairs, according to a TikTok video posted online over the weekend in which they explained the incident. Quote, this silly guy <laughs> found, the Airbnb, found the one Airbnb in all of downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin, loaded with cops, <laughs> Deputy Charles Pasola said in the video. The deputy said the teen was drunk and he had no idea where he was and where, or, where he, or where he came from. Quote, this is a first for that. I've woken up in random places, <laughs> the teen said in the video. Oh, the lawman called 911 to report the encounter to local law enforcement. The teen was taken into custody by Milwaukee police, but reportedly didn't face any charges. That's nice. <laughs> Authorities said he stumbled into the wrong home, Fox affiliate WITI-TV reported. 
Pasola added the teen was lucky to have encountered the cops inside the home. Yeah, for sure. Quote, what if the dude stumbled into bed with a, uh, into a bed with a kid or my wife? I mean, it could have been a different morning, right? So wrong place, wrong time, but lucky place, lucky time. That There's dudes out there who actually know how to handle that, he said, according to the news outlet. He explained that he made the video in an effort to show a different side of police officers seldom seen by the public. Cops have a hard time right now, he explained. And when they can see that we're still having fun and we're still real people and we're, and we're good, that's a good thing. I agree. You know, it's <laughs> this poor bastard. Poor dumb bastard. And I guess it's just luck. I mean, it, I get from this article that he, he probably was trying to get into like a nearby unit or something like that and got the wrong one. Broke into it. Crawled into a bed. Hopefully not with any like cop in there. If you like crawl into a bed with a cop in it, there's a good chance you're at least getting a punch. At least getting a punch. You know, it's like, I don't know. Or maybe this, it's like the cops woke up in the morning, they, you know, they started cooking brec- breakfast or something. This dude started walking down the stairs. Like, hey, he's cooking. <laughs> like, that? Oh, I got drunk last night, I guess. I feel hangover, hungover, so. <laughs> oh, that's just bad, bad luck. Anyway, yeah, don't get so drunk you can't remember where, where you went or where, you, where you're from. Anyway, I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Um, also, you can send me money through Cash App. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio, all one word. Uh, also, go to my YouTube channel and you know share my videos out. Let people know that I'm out there. Share the videos you like. I would appreciate that. And, uh, yeah. That's going to be the end of the show. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman, and I love you.